Hey, friends and listeners, this is Amory Zanzel, and you're listening to Coming Out and Beyond LGBTQIA Plus Stories Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I'm Barb Rowlandson, and Emery, we are now deep into season four of the Coming Out and Beyond podcast, and congratulations on what has turned out to be just a fantastic season so far. And no thanks to you, Barb Rowlandson, my brand new producer who is kicking ass in this podcast. <laughs> so I want to thank Barb and all of our guests and listeners who make this podcast so special. If you're new to this podcast, let me fill you in a bit on what we do here at Coming Out and Beyond. This is a podcast devoted to sharing stories of real people, primarily women, trans, and non-binary folks who have made the brave step of coming out maybe early in life or maybe later in life. And later in life, it's a subjective term. I mean, we have guests on the podcast that are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. And they're from all walks of life, and they've discovered in their life's journey that they aren't quite as straight as they originally thought they were. And the lovely Anne-Marie here, our podcast founder and host, brings her signature compassion, wisdom, and insight as she interviews guests, creating a safe space for them to share their stories. And Barb, our podcast producer and occasional co-host and guest, and maybe in the future, a host, joins us regularly for the first time in season four adding fun, dimension, and a different perspective to topics surrounding the coming out later in life process. So if you're someone who is later in life and early in the coming out process, here is where you are gonna find inspiration and some great advice and a glimpse into the joy of what it means to come into your authentic sexuality. So relax, kick your shoes off, grab a cup of coffee or tea, or maybe your favorite libation, put your headphones on and join us for the next half hour or so to listen to another great true story about coming out later in life and what lies beyond. Dr. Lulu, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Nice to meet you finally on Zoom. (laughs) I know we met on Instagram and now we've met on Zoom. So Dr. Lulu, can you tell me your story, please? Well, um, with in regards to what to my um, well, uh, what well, in my work? I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> with regards to the LGBT, um, sure. I I don't think there's a whole lot to tell. It's pretty mundane. Like most people who were born in the, in the '60s, I think most. I think I can probably say that I'm a Gen Xer, and um, only 4.2 percent of Gen Xers identify as LGBT. So I'm very, very, very. I'm one of the tiny minority. But um, when I was 16, I, I went to, first of all, I went to an all-girls high school. So I knew I had an attraction to, to girls mm-hmm. at a very young age. But I also went to an all-girl high, all high school in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't something I could, like, explore. But I just said, okay, I don't know what this is, but sure, whatever. Then I was also attracted to boys. I'm like, mm, this is interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So when I told my dad when I was 16, I told my, you know, I, I liked girls and boys because we were having the conversation, not about birds and bees per se, but about me graduating from school and what are you going to do in college? And I was like, yeah, you know, about that, about that marrying a man thing. <laughs> so this is what it is, actually. And my dad was like, oh, that's fine. It's a phase. A lot of, a lot of people go through that. And it was very matter of fact, very nonchalant. Like, I was like, okay. This is my father. He's lived, he's done adulting more than I, I have. He's mm-hmm. lived life more than I have. He must know what's going on. Okay, sure. Now that we got that out of the way, what's mm-hmm. for dinner? And so that's basically what I did. And I went to medical school and I just didn't think about it. I I am also Catholic. So I was like, yeah, there's that part of that thing called hell. We're not going there. So whatever this is, God, you know, I'm just going to chill out and just in love with the man if I can and move on with my life and it's funny because I had a couple of episodes of sexual assault one was when I was nine one was when I was 16 I was actually full-blown rape and I don't know if you have to do like a trigger warning because I don't know you know how far mm-hmm. you, what your guests tell, tell what stories your guests tell but one of the things I tell the people that I coach today is you know if indeed this thing is something that you know is a choice 
then I should never be attracted to men ever. Because when I was nine, my innocence was taken from me by a man. When mm -hmm. I was 16, my innocence was taken from me from, by a man. When I finally got married to a man, I was systematically and systemically, if I may use those words, abused in the marriage. So I should not ever want to see men again. But you don't learn that. You don't learn to, you don't learn your attractions. You don't, uh, let me see. I'm going to copy Anne-Marie. No, mm -hmm. it's not something that you have any power over. Right. That's why when people are being persecuted for being queer or gay or trans, I just shake my head and just wonder just how deep is the self-hatred of the person who does that. Coming from a place where I was not always affirming of the queer people because there's a as you know something called internalized homophobia right when when it's bad enough you actually become really really maybe even a persecutor of the same people because you can't you can't believe that they are living their lives out loud and you can't like why why, why is that happening well I always so say, growing I, up mm -hmm. I always say that the people that's proclaim their uh discuss with the queer community the most are often I believe that they're themselves because well, they're no, the ones that I, I, try I to say, yeah I don't I don't miss words when I say it I, I have posts about it I have whole posts where I say yes it never fails I usually start with saying it never fails those who are intense homophobes are closeted gays those are my words I write it maybe once a week I write that yeah I write that because it's true and um if anybody does not agree with me it doesn't change my mind because that's my right. own personal experience that's my own personal opinion and that's it is what it is mm -hmm. oh yeah right but yeah so that's my story I I I grew up I got married to, to a man and um, as a physician I did a, I worked a lot long hours and so I blamed myself when the marriage didn't work out because I thought it was long hours but really I knew in my heart that it was an abusive spouse but again I'm Nigerian is a little different in Nigeria women are not even seen and not even heard, but okay, you can say they are seen and not heard. Neither are children. The man has the final say. Whatever the man says is is what happens. And mm -hmm. so I had to come to terms with that as a as a wife of mm -hmm. my ex-husband. But everything mm -hmm. in my bones were like, why is this so abusive? I mean, honestly, there'll be maybe three or four months he, he would not speak to me. And I don't even know what I did. And then sometimes I'll be like, when finally he's like, okay, hello, hi. I'm like, okay, what did I do? He's like, well, you slammed the door really hard in February 16th. And I'm like, wait, this is May. Like, <laughs> like, what? How did that happen? So I just was like, okay, maybe this is the way it's supposed to be. Okay, so so be it. But after that marriage, when after I filed for divorce, let's just put it, let's call it as it is. I, I was 42 and I decided, you know what? This is 26 years after I've told my dad that I, you know, I liked girls. And I had a friend of mine that I had just this intense crush on, this like really girl crush on. She was happily married to her husband. But I, I that made me, and most people that have been on their podcast know her. Her name is Keisha and I, I don't hide her name, but that made me realize that I still had that attraction to women. It just, it, it, it was it's just a very hard. long phase, Dr. Lulu. Yeah, I know. I know. I told my dad that. I told my dad that. And, but she was still very married. She's, she is still very married. But I just realized, I started thinking to myself, I said, you know what? This is not going away. Why don't I just approach it with curiosity? Mm -hmm. See, what is this emotion? What is this thing? Mm -hmm. And um, And as soon as I leaned into that, I don't know, maybe within weeks or within months of that experience, I had that self-realization. I met my now ex-wife and um, and I was like, yeah, this is not going to happen. I was so happy the day I met her. I, was, I felt so seen and so free. It was just a beautiful night. And um, I was like, yeah, this is not going away. Right. I and understand. I wish I could have told my dad or shared it with my father. Just see, I told you or something like that. But I kept it to myself. But I, I was like, this is so beautiful. This is so nice. And then mm -hmm. the rest is history. But yeah, I, I was like, yeah, this is not going away. Mm -hmm. It's here mm -hmm. to stay. <laughs> I absolutely understand you. So so besides that of having that in common, both you and I, you have a trans child and I have a non-binary child. And I want you to talk a little bit about that experience as a mom. You know, what was 
was it like for you when your child came out to you and like, how did you react? And like, what was that experience like? Yeah. So first of all, I think it's only fair to say, because I have that second TEDx talk (laughs) that I try not to use the word coming. I don't use the phrase coming out anymore. I, sometimes it's the only way, the only phrase to use because it just makes the English or the sentence sound writer, but I use inviting in. So when my child invited us in, it was, it was fairly reluctant the first time that was in June of 2020 during the graduation from Stanford. And it was just a coincidence that the, the announcer kept saying they, this and they, that my kid was getting the award of excellence from the college of arts. And, and I was like, well, so who are all these other people graduating? I, I mean, getting this award. And that was an honest question. Right. Now, but before that, I already had my suspicions and I had kind of assigned slash assumed my kid was gay. I tell people this all the time that when we ask questions, a lot of times we hear the answers that we want to hear. Because today I asked my child, I said, so is you gay or is you not gay? She said, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But I heard no, mm-hmm. because I didn't want my kid to be gay. Mm-hmm. I didn't want my kid to be gay. So, so in my mind, I was like, oh, thank goodness I dodged that one. But in my heart, I knew she didn't, she never said no. She was like, mom, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And we left it alone. We never talked about it ever again. How old were they at that time? I think 12 at that time, maybe. So was this prior to your own coming out? No, 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 no. Your own letting in? No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. No, 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 no. My kid was 12. He might have been older than maybe 16. I don't, I don't, I didn't, I don't remember the age, but um, in high school. So mm-hmm. whatever the age is in America, when you go to high school, I know, I know we were in high school then. So maybe 14. 14 to 18. But yeah. I was already married to my ex-wife there. I was married to her at that time. So I, it, it wasn't, it's not even about the, the phrase. It was just like, as far as time I was married to her at that time. Mm-hmm. So I had already come into my own realization. Mm-hmm. But even as I'm saying this, I knew my kid at the back of my head. I was like, you know, one of the things I always said to her was stop acting like a girl. You're not a girl. Mm-hmm. You know, just stop acting like a girl. Just stop doing all these things, all these girly things. You're not a girl. And then she would be like, well, mom, what do girls do? I'll be like, whatever you're doing is what girls do. Why are you, why, why do you feel like you need to act like a girl? And I used to get irritated by it. And just, I just didn't want that. There's a lot to be said about this past, this week I had spoken to, I think on Tuesday, I spoke to a father and his wife about their son who shared with them that he's pansexual mm-hmm. and a femme boy. Mm-hmm. And I remember them telling me that their eldest, their older child is a lesbian, mm-hmm. but that they felt easier to accept. It was easier for them to accept their daughter who's a lesbian than the son who is pansexual. Uh-huh. And even the father said he struggled with his own masculinity. He felt that his masculinity was challenged, for lack of a better word, when he saw this. And he started thinking to himself, well, he was in the military. Hmm, that there were some emotions there, but he never explored them. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is society has different reactions when your daughter is a lesbian or well, when your daughter is LGBT than when your son is not. So for me, having been assigned, having three children that we assigned, all three of them as male, I didn't have the daughter to, to have that experience with. But I do know that I just didn't want my son, in quotes, to be anything feminine, effeminate, none of that. Not in a hateful way, but just because I know society is like zero tolerance. And that's why, as we all know, Black trans women mm-hmm. have the highest rate of homicides. People just do not want to see a Black trans woman for nothing, mm-hmm. which is just unfortunate now, we don't care too much about, I wouldn't say maybe butch, lesbian women. Yeah, we might tolerate them. But if it's a trans, if it's an effeminate man, we just feel like there's something wrong. And that's been, that's a thought that I've had to ask myself, why? Well, you know, Brene Brown says this, is that women don't want to be vulnerable and men don't want to appear weak. 
which is about our shame because women don't want to be vulnerable and men, when they feel shame, it's about appearing weak. And so when somebody is, you know, when a man appears to be uh, more on the feminine side, there is an appearance of weakness in this society, even if it's not true, but that's what people assume. So I think that, I think that's like, as, as a mom, oh my gosh, I would be terrified. I would, I'd be very scared for my child if Mm -hmm. they came out as trans female. I think Mm -hmm. it's a really I think there's a, and, and especially uh black trans female, because mm-hmm. we all know what's going on with that. And no, yeah. no wonder, I mean, like for me as a mom, I would be right with you as a queer mom, I'd be right with you being like, oh God, I don't want this for you because I just don't want you to suffer. And we, none of us want our kids to suffer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is so true. And I, I, I have a different outlook. I realize that it's, it's been our identity. It's been the story we've told ourselves to make ourselves feel better. As parents of queer kids, is an easier story to tell. Oh, I don't want my child to be hurt. Oh, I don't want the society to be mean to my child. That is, that is true, but that is a story that we'd rather tell than I really, truly, I am homophobic. Mm-hmm. I really, truly am transphobic. That's what it is. I mean, we can paint it any colors we like, any fluorescent colors and sprinkle cosmic dust on it. It still comes down to that. And so what I I prefer to say, we have been conditioned mm-hmm. to believe, Absolutely. to believe that anything outside of what we call norm is bad. Mm-hmm. It's not even Absolutely. about weakness because- you know, we have women like Serena Williams. If you her her service is eighty five goes eighty five miles an hour. I don't even drive that fast, mm-hmm. but that's her tennis serve. So it's not even about that, but it's about us. It's a conditioning that we have we have refused to question it. We don't want to. Question oh yeah, it. and and it's a very because it's more comfortable to believe this. Go ahead. Yeah, and because it's a very big surprise. Like a, I have a lot of my clients when they come out. And they're, um, you know, in, you know, like 30-ish or so, they're often been raised by very progressive liberal parents. And and so they didn't think it was going to be a big deal to their parents. And it was. And mm-hmm. it stunned them that their parents were like, oh, I don't want you to do this. You shouldn't do this and stuff like that. Because they yes. never, because their parents never expressed And oftentimes too, people don't realize, like I always say about internalized homophobia, Mm -hmm. is like my definition of it is that, you know, I have found that people in our, you know, people that have come out later in life often are huge allies before they do. They're often huge allies, but the only person that can't be gay is me. (laughs) And that's what the internalized homophobia is. And so my child, (laughs) I know, but I I, I, I get it. Bingo. Yeah, but me, but yeah, internalized homophobia definitely is for self. Yeah, that is true. I love that. I love the the people I worry about the most, though, as much as internalized homophobia does exist, transphobia does exist, even within the community. The people that I worry about the most are in today's world are the cisgendered people who are threatened mm-hmm. by even the word cisgender. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, wait, don't call me cisgender. Wait, but you are. But it's you like are. the word pronoun. The word pronoun, the definition of pronoun is a word or words that we use to describe a person in third person. That is the definition of pronoun. We learned that in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But today, with just so much radical ignorance, like unchecked ignorance, if you say somebody, what are your pronouns? I don't have pronouns. What do you mean you don't? What do you mean you don't have pronouns? <laughs> What do you mean you don't have pronouns? Do you mean neo-pronouns? I get it. Mm-hmm. Zir and Zer, I get that. But everybody has a pronoun. Just like you're either cisgendered or you're not. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. because the opposite of cisgender is not transgender. Mm-hmm. The opposite of cisgender is gender expansive or gender non-conforming because it could be non-binary. It could be, you know what I mean? It could be any other thing. Right. But while trans but is... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Trans is just under the trans is actually under the umbrella of non-binary or gender non-conforming. Right. Under that umbrella of gender non-conformers, you have trans, mm-hmm. which is a prototype. 
-hmm. You have non-binary. You have bi-gender. You have two spirits. We have agender. Mm -hmm. Demi, you know, all of these things are all underneath the umbrella of gender expansive, gender mm -hmm. non-conforming, gender diverse. Mm -hmm. But you can't tell these people anything. <laughs> you can't tell them that, but you're cisgender. What do you mean I'm cisgendered? Are you trying to insult me? What? <laughs> well, and it's, and as a parent, it's a whole new world, right? For the parents that you work with. Like, I remember when I came out, a lot of times people... I know say like, oh, I don't like labels and stuff like that. And I've, I've never found more labels in the LGBTQ community. I mean, we have a lot of labels and it can be very overwhelming, especially for moms and dads who have never, ever thought about this before. And do you find that with your, like, so tell me how you work with families. I think even just going back to the labels, I think what are labels? Mm -hmm. Labels are words. Absolutely. That's what it is, is what you make it mean. Because if you walk into the room and say, I'm going to use the word bitch, you can put explicit on this episode. <laughs> if you walk in the room and say, and say, there goes Dr. Lulu, the bitch, mm -hmm. two things can happen. I can believe you mm -hmm. or I do not believe you. If I don't believe you, I'm going to say, I don't see a bitch here. I see me. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But if I believe you, then I'm internalizing the word. And I'm like, oh, that means we have to be okay with just allowing people. It's just a word. Like literally, it's just a word. A label. When I came to America, I heard that. If you say somebody's fat, it's like, oh my God, they've died. In Nigeria, you can call people fat and it's nothing. It's just a word. Mm -hmm. So it's what Americans make the word fat mean. Mm -hmm. Because in my country, you can call people fat and it doesn't mean you're fat shaming, all those other things. It's, it's an American thing because there are other countries. There's a bigger world out there with other countries and other words and people don't lose it when somebody says that. That mm -hmm. said, when you're in Rome, you have to act like Romans. So I get it. I get that Americans, somewhere along the line, something happened with the word fat and, you know, oh my God. I have never had a problem with that. In fact, I'm the one that will tell you all my labels. I'm very proud of listing all of my intersectionality. Mm -hmm. um, on my birthday, I found 54 because I turned 54, you know? So they're just words. My parents that I work with, just like me, the biggest word I can use to describe them is shame. Mm -hmm. Huge, huge deal. For those who are not feeling shame, they're feeling guilt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then for those who are neither feeling shame nor guilt, all of them are feeling fear. Okay. Fear of the unknown. Because when they say, well, I want to accept my child, but I don't know how. Are most of your parents religious? It's a combination. It's a yeah. combination. I'm Catholic. So, I, and again, one of the things I, as a coach, I know you know this, I'm the prototype of the parents that I coach. Right. right. I'm Catholic. I'm black, I'm female, I'm an immigrant, I'm all of those things. I'm a prototype of my clients. Mm -hmm. I am the number one reason, like my coach says, I am my number one testimony that my intellectual property works because it worked with me. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm a Christian, I'm Catholic by birth. I was a, I'm a cradle Catholic. I don't practice Catholicism anymore. I really don't practice Christianity anymore. But I mean, somewhere in my definition is there's a word Christian, Mm -hmm. So yes, um, but Christianity doesn't come up on our conversations, except if they bring it up that, oh, you know, I don't know what my church would do. A lot of them are more worried, like I was, of their mother, mm -hmm. what their mother would say, because their grandparents, oh, she loves my grandson. She loves my son so much. I say, yeah, you mean your daughter? Oh, exactly. See, and I was like, the problem is never with the other person. Mm-hmm. Always mm -hmm. with you. And that is my, my main work is getting them to accept that the person in the mirror is whose mindset needs to change. Because ultimately those who will accept your child are going to accept your child. But our own biggest fear is that they might not accept me mm -hmm. because I accept my child. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And especially. And nobody wants to be ostracized. Nobody wants to be, you know, rejected. Mm-hmm. I get it. It's an interesting situation, for lack of a better word. 
What have the parents that you work with, what have they taught you as you have spent time that, with- that, that, that I am normal? I am normal because one of the things that I struggle with when I first found out was I'm the only, I'm alone. Right. I'm alone right. in my thoughts. I'm alone in the way I feel. I'm the only one who feels this way. Oh my goodness. People can smell me when they see me. They can mm -hmm. sense it that my child is, you know, gay from a distance. So they, the one thing that they've taught me is that we are all the same. We mm -hmm. all have radical love for our children in a very hostile world. And we're just trying to maintain. And there's mm -hmm. just nonstop barrage of anti-LGBT laws coming left, right, and center. And also, most importantly, what you focus on gets bigger. That to me is a huge lesson that has made me this week, this particular week, I hyper-focused on the anti-trans bills and it took a huge toll on me that I almost canceled this interview because mm -hmm. yesterday I took a mental health day mm -hmm. and the day before because I was just really traumatized by what I saw at mm -hmm. the Capitol on Monday. Mm -hmm. So what you focus on gets bigger. A lot of the parents come thinking, oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm like, wait, wait, calm down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is the same child that yesterday, just yesterday, you were worried about something different. Mm -hmm. And today, all you can think about is the child is gay. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, it's going to overcome you. It's going to take over. But truthfully, mm -hmm. their sexuality, like yours, mm -hmm. is 1% of who they are. Absolutely. Yeah, true. It's a but small, if you yeah. Their sexuality, if you blow up their sexuality, then it becomes a big thing because nobody's blowing up your sexuality. Mm -hmm. Well, but if you're straight, you know, yeah, compulsory heterosexuality, nobody's blowing that up because that's what I meant. Yeah. If you're straight, no one is blowing that up. But most of my parents are straight. I mean, majority of my parents are straight. I don't have any queer parents that I coach. I am the only queer parent in my coaching. But yeah, so nobody's focusing on your on your sexuality. Mm-hmm. hmm Because they're the majority. Because well. Well, no, I mean that in the sense that because just showing them how if you start focusing your, on your sexuality, it's going to become a bigger thing to not make their, the child's sexuality a big deal. It, that is the test of us as much as everything around is going on to not internalize it and make it bigger, to know that your child still wants dinner, your child still has homework. Your child still wants to pick out something to wear tomorrow. They still have to get a haircut. They mm -hmm. still want to go to the store, to the mall, and hang out with their friends. These are the other things that they were doing yesterday before they told you. Mm -hmm. Those things have not gone away just because now you know. Mm -hmm. And you being able to manage your mind is the key. And so the sooner you lean in to start managing your mind, the sooner those embers will die down. Mm -hmm. because your child telling you at seven that they, they think they're trans doesn't mean that they're having sex, which is usually what people hear when you say, mom, I'm gay. Your mom hears, mom, I'm having sex. That's not what you said, though. Mm -hmm. You said, I'm gay, you know? Mm -hmm. So you were saying? No, but what were, I was going to ask, are most of your parents parents of gay children or trans children? I have one white mom whose child is trans. Mm -hmm. Maybe two of them are trans. The rest of them are just LGBT. One is a femboy. One is non-binary. One is a lesbian. One is a regular gay. I mean, it's a mix. I don't coach parents of trans kids. I am a parent of a trans kid, but, but I don't, don't coach. I coach parents of queer kids mm -hmm. across the board. Yes. Anything mm -hmm. LGBT, anything non-heterosexual actually is what I coach. So when you said, I, I've, I've seen a lot of your posts on Instagram and stuff like that. And um, you, you often talk about being a, a trans person or a queer person of color. What kind of obstacles do queer kids of color face from their families when they're come, when, when they say, oh, I'm, I'm gay or I'm a lesbian or I'm trans, what types of obstacles do they face? So when I came to America, I learned about people of color. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when I when I'm in Nigeria, everybody's black. Okay. So I can I can usually talk about my black experience people. as a black person because okay. I'm sure 
the Asians have a little slightly different, maybe similar. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. So I will talk about black because that's that's my experience, and actually talk about myself because my experience is essentially that of my child, except my my child is in America and I was in Nigeria. So the the black child who finds himself in the LGBTQ spectrum is the exact same black child who doesn't, except that they just happen to not be straight. Right. The biggest thing that we deal with is ignorance. That mm -hmm. is the biggest thing. Ignorance across the board, like we've talked about, about what transness means mm -hmm. or what, what's your sec what sexuality is and the fact that they are different. Sexuality and gender identity are different. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think that sexuality is gender and they're all the same, but they're not the same. So we struggle mainly with ignorance. It's not a whole lot different except when you toss in this big thing called racism. Yeah. Then it really takes it to the next level. But otherwise, when I walk in a room, you cannot see a queer woman unless I tell you that. Because I'm as stealth as it gets. I mean, I look like just a regular cisgendered woman. Mm -hmm. When my child walks in the room because she's a trans woman, you might notice. Mm -hmm. You might notice that. Mm -hmm. But for me, when I walk in the room, everything you're going to do to me, not you, Anne-Marie, everything that's going to happen to me is going to happen because I'm Black and I'm a woman and maybe I have sister-in-law, you know, I have an accent. Those are all part of my intersectionality. Then you toss in transness to it. Then we now have to go back first to the fact that there's transphobia across the board. So a child who happens to be black and trans is really at the bottom of the barrel. Mm -hmm. What people do forget though, is that a black trans adult was once a black trans child. Most people don't think about that. That is true, because I didn't think about that. We don't mm -hmm. remember that this person was, they've always been trans. trans. Right. We're just seeing them now as adults, but they've always been trans. And so the message I have for most parents, if not all parents, I learned that, I mean, I've known about it, but I didn't put it in this way. But on Monday, I learned one of the chants that the kids at the, at the Texas Capitol were chanting was, Two, four, six, eight. Don't assume your kids are straight. <laughs> I thought that was so powerful. Because I've always known it. I've always told about I said, look, the truth is there's a very high chance that your child is not straight. When a child who is transgender at five says, Mom, I don't want to wear that dress, you're thinking, oh, you know, you're just acting like me. Stop acting like a girl. Stop acting like a girl. If the child holds onto their gender identity, you might never know, which is called being stealth. But the day the child shares it through their gender expression, that day they become victims automatically because now you can see them. Mm -hmm. Now you can see that they want to wear a pink wig. But why you have an Adam's apple and you're wearing a pink wig and high heels? Wait, why? why? Then mm -hmm. you start judging. So this is the reason why I say many children will never tell. My kid didn't tell us until we found out at graduation. With the they them pronouns? Yes. Yeah. Many children will not tell. So I'm saying to parents, don't assume your kids are straight. And we've been talking about the word assumption. We've talked about it so many times today. Assuming is the most dangerous thing that we can do to our kids. Because as parents, we assume that our children are straight. My father had my whole life planned out. Right. You're going to marry this guy. You're going to have this guy. Ugh. But I'm not straight, dad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how successful were your own parents at getting you to be who they wanted you to be? My parents? Uh, very yeah. successful because... Huh? Say that again. My, my, own, my own parents, very successful because mm. like, I'm, I'm also Catholic. <laughs> Dr. Lulu. So I you understand. Your parents wanted you to be gay? Oh, gosh, no. No. no so they, I, then they were not successful. They no, were not well, successful. Well, yeah, but like, but I did what they wanted me to do. I got married. That's I had babies. Point. Yeah, yeah, I did it. But they, they, my, my parents died a long time ago. So they died oh. before my, and by the way, I call it letting in. I use That's country good. 
Thank yeah, you. I call it letting in. I saw that too. Yes. Yeah. I saw that. that was letting and, in but I say coming out in. because this is the name of the podcast. Yes, it's what everybody exactly <laughs> is what everybody needed. If I named but it. I, like, love, I love this conversation because I'm like you. I, I did everything up to a point and then I didn't do it. So the truth is, I didn't. I did not. My parents were not successful. If they were successful up to a point, then they were not successful. Because the question is, how successful were they? And it's a rhetorical, not, not for you, um, mm -hmm. Anne-Marie. Just overall, I just want people to think about that. When they are thinking, I can believe my child is doing this to me. When they're thinking that, mm -hmm. I want you to stop and ask yourself, did you do every single thing that your parents wanted you to do? Mm -hmm. Even if it means marrying somebody different, that then you did, then you didn't do everything your parents wanted you to do. Because you can't. Because the truth is, you're your whole and complete human being. You're not your parent. So when parents come to you, you said that they're dealing with shame, guilt, and everybody's dealing with fear. Mm -hmm. How do you? And that's actually what I do. The work I do, I work with people, who, women coming out who are feeling guilt and shame and a ton of fear. And I understand that because I felt that myself. Thank you for validating yeah. that for me. Thank you. So how do you move them from the fear? Actually, um, I tell them that a certain degree of fear is necessary. I'm not selling Point. snake oil here. Mm -hmm. I'm not a voodoo woo-woo person. A certain degree of fear is warranted to do this work. Mm -hmm. But that's why the word courage comes in. Courage is fear plus action. Right. Fair and I'm guilt. not saying don't, yeah, I'm not saying don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, I want you to have some degree of fear, even though the good book says fear not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To some extent, because it's important to have that at the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we're not going to send the police out without bulletproof vests. Mm -hmm. We send them out with bulletproof vests because at least we're thinking if they shoot them, it will, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So that bulletproof vest is holding, helping you with your fear. If you want to use that in that context, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you're just, you're not, we're not stupid here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying for you. I'm just saying generally, we are still human beings. We, it's okay. You wear your seat belt because of that. Right. There is a safety harness. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to say you're not going to drive in case somebody's going to hit you. What you do is you're going to drive and you're going to wear a seatbelt. So that's what I tell them to do. My main work is in thought work. Honestly, my main work is in mindset shifting. And a lot of times they're doing a lot of exercises, self-coaching, self-questioning, curiosity, unlearning. A lot of unlearning. Where did that come from? That original fear, original sin, so to say. Where did it come from? Let's mm -hmm. analyze your shame. Where is the shame really coming from? What is the shame about? Is it about how you're making the whole story, what you're making the whole story mean? A lot of times that's what it is. My kid is gay. Man, that means I'm not going to hang out with such and such again. And so I say, okay, well, guess what? If you're not going to hang, if that means you're not going to hang out with this person or this person's not going to hang out with you anymore, that means they were truly not your friend to begin with. If anybody tells you today to disown your child, they hate you. Mm -hmm. They hate you because they know that suicide is a real and clear and present danger. Mm -hmm. So if they tell you to treat your child this way, you better run. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes they need someone to, they need, they need someone to show them. They already know it, mm -hmm. but they just need me to say, hmm, do you see what your brain just did there just now? Mm -hmm. Just checking your brain. You see your brain. Do you see what your brain just said? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but she's my mom. Yes, but this is your child. True. There's a reason why God gave you this child mm -hmm. and not your mom, by the way. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> okay, right? yeah. um, there's a lot of thought work. I, I, it's, 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 um, I have a mom who has resigned after one year. Ultimately, you have to be willing to let go of the shame because I could tell you everything I want. Well, it's a lot of self work. You could, you could, oh my give, God, thank you, honey. You could, yeah, you could give them lots of sheets to fill I out. I could give you all the worksheets <laughs> in the world. 
<laughs> but um, and that's why one of the things I love to say that I came up with recently is that people always say change is the only constant. Change is the only constant. Change is only constant. And I say, actually, I don't believe that. Decision making is the only constant because sometimes you make a decision to not change. That's so true. change is not a constant. You need to put that the, up as a meme on your Instagram. <laughs> yes, I think I've done it in the past. I, I think I wrote I'm that. I, 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 want, that I want to trademark it. Because, because the, let's, let's be honest. You have to make a decision to let go of the shame. Mm-hmm. You have to decide. Now, what I told said, how long do you want to hold on to the shame? So, you know, let's talk about that. How long have you held on to it? How long has this shame been your identity? Like, this is my identity. Okay. When are you going to let go of the shame? So can you I can ask, see freedom. Go ahead. Can I ask you, so as somebody who identifies as queer, mm-hmm. how did you end up letting go of your shame about being queer? Like I said, when, after my divorce from my ex-husband, hi, sweetheart, welcome home. I realized that the attraction was not going away. Mm-hmm. And so I gave myself permission to be curious about it. Mm-hmm. And so I tell the parents, Be curious about that emotion. Whose Mm -hmm. voice are you hearing? And I heard my aunt's voice when I was young telling me that they're going to go to hell. I remember Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And then I had to get curious about that, about that going to hell. And what did my aunt mean? What did my aunt know? Mm -hmm. Did she know what I know that I was actually created this way? Did she know that? Which by the way, one of her brothers is gay, you know? So it's like, did she know that? Or was she speaking out of her own lack of knowledge? But once you know something, you cannot unknow it. So I took my time to explore that. What is this really? And then I've got this kid over here that I think is gay. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. What am I making it mean about me? That I am somehow defective. My ex-husband told me that I made the child gay. He said that. He said, you made, I said, wait, 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 but I breastfed three kids. You didn't do that. What about the other two? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you it's know, a lot of, like you said, it's a lot of talk. We're going to just thinking about well, it's very how did it happen? Because when we first started talking, I wrote down approach with curiosity. That's mm, one of my favorite words on my, on my, um, I don't know where it is, on my little trifold. I use the word ice. Mm-hmm. Approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, include include the child. Ice is number one. When you hear your child say that, you know, they're gay, inclusion, include them in just whatever they are, they are now. I want you to include them as they are in everything else. Like not, not their old self that you thought this new self, include them. So include their new names in your thought process, include their new names in their new gender. Include that because that's what you did before. Number the second one is C. Lean in with curiosity, like ask yourself the, the questions is not why is my child gay? It's why do I feel this way about my child being gay? That's the question to ask. That's a great because question. You don't, yeah, because you don't know why your child is gay. Mm-hmm. You try. That's where the myths and misconceptions come, right? Why mm-hmm. is my child Oh, because they were molested. Oh, because um, they saw a porn, pornographic movie. Oh, because they went social media. Oh, you know, they, we find all this, but those are their misconceptions about the queer community. So rather than saying, why is my child gay? Why do I feel this way about my child being gay? I love Center. that. That's a good yes, one. I'm going to steal me. that one. <laughs> I'm going to lend it to you because it's coming out in my, in my new book. That's actually how I, I start the question. I start the book with that question. Mm-hmm. I started, but that's okay. I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only one in this world that's thinking about it. Just that I really, I think about, I, 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 my coach teaches me to do this. She, she wants us to hyper-focus on what your client is thinking. Mm-hmm. So where is the E? You said I the see. E empower your child. Yes, okay. thank you. Okay. The E is now go out there and empower your child to be all that they can be. Because I always liken the parent-child relationship to the parent holding a kite, flying a kite. Mm-hmm. The parents holding the, the 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 little piece of rope or thread or whatever, you are actually in control of mm-hmm. where the kite goes. However, the kite is flying on its own. Mm-hmm. So as a parent, your job is to make sure that the kite doesn't get into trees 
or getting to too close to the electrical you know, wires, but you need to let them soar. And that's the empowerment part. Let them mm-hmm. just soar and just be all that they can be. Mm-hmm. So that's ice. And I think that one was um, TAD was thank the child, um, ask open-ended questions. So thank you so much for sharing this with me. Open-ended questions like, how can I make, how can I make your life better? How can I make you, how can I make this burden lighter? How can I make, what can I do to help? That's open-ended. Open uh, when you say how or when you use um, how or what, they are usually open-ended questions. And then the D is decide to support the child no matter what. So that's mm-hmm. TAD for when the parent, so those are the three things I came up with. TAD and then ICE. Mm-hmm. Um, it just helps me with the, with my parents and just helping them. It doesn't mean, because I believe in decision-making, but it doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but just keep thinking about those things. And I, I encourage them to journal a lot, journal your emotions. It's, I'm not going to sit here and say it's easy. Mm-mm. But my next TED Talk, the one I'm going to do next week, I'm telling them now that what if you didn't assign a gender to your child? What if you didn't make any assumptions? Because mm-hmm. that's what we're, we're struggling now with all our assumptions that we made. True. <laughs> if we didn't make the assumptions, we won't have to deal with the well, if we, didn't, if we didn't make assumptions about people's sexuality, if we oh didn't make God, assumptions girl. about people's gender and all a bunch of other stuff, people would be a lot happier. <laughs> Everybody, everybody, all of us, I would not have to deal with my quote-unquote disappointment. And then you, the child, you, my child, would not have to deal with my issues that I brought upon myself because the child didn't tell me to assume that. Mm-hmm. I assumed that on my own. Well, The child had no say in it. Right. What, what do you mean you cannot, what do you want, what do you mean you don't want to be a, a, become a ballerina? Mom, I have two left feet. Yeah, but I love ballerina. Well, that's you though. Yes. You true. like so I've got a couple of, so I always ask three questions at the end and I'm going to wrap. Yes. This was a very good discussion. I think it's going to be really helpful for parents whose kids are come, whose kids are letting in. Um, so, so did you have a letting in song when you, when you, when you left your marriage and said, I'm going to be curious about dating women. Did you have a song that empowered you? Cause a lot of times people like really like some song speaks to their heart or no. not really. Um, I I don't think so. I mean, now as as an adult, I I go with "Who's That Girl" um, by Eve, mm-hmm. is the rapper, not by Madonna. Madonna. Also, she also has "Who's That Girl." I know most people like I'm coming out, but I mean, like I said, it wasn't like it was just okay, whatever. But I think I like "Who's That Girl." I love it. I like that she talks about you know all the things that she can do, and and then you ask yourself, "Who's that girl?" Just not not diminishing yourself, and not just not. You know, I'm going to go listen to that. Yeah, um, so, it's a rap song. And so what about, did you have any books or a book or a movie that really like sort of, sort of not just about queer stuff, but a book or a movie that really like opened your mind or changed your view about things? No, not really. I have, I mean, the book I like, which I tell you, I bought for my kids one copy each, which just Think and Grow Rich, because I just love the mm-hmm. message in the book. And just the fact that it's really helps me realize that if you, if you have an idea and you believe in the idea, nobody can take it from you. Just like believing my child, you True. know, just like accepting my child. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, like once I'm, once I decided I was going to, like I said, decide, the D's decide. Once I decided I was going to do this, there was no going back. Um, so that is, that is the book. And also because I, I used to struggle with chronic pain, just healing back pain. The fact that our body does hold emotions, does remember. So we have to be very careful, you know, how we, how we allow emotions affect us. There's that. Let me see. But yeah, I don't think I have like a LGBT specific book. No, no this mm-hmm. wasn't because a lot of my, you know, we're so much more than queer people. So, yeah. you know, so like when I ask that question, sometimes people talk about queer books, but sometimes it's like healing back pain. You know, yeah. it's something for that me, just helps them. Pain. Yeah. And I, you know what I've been doing for the past, um, and this is just maybe a little bit of a TMI, but it might help someone. 
I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, I don't know, 15 years ago, following, like I said, a very traumatic, tumultuous marriage mm -hmm. to my ex-husband. And because I believe that listening to it, I need myself. I already know that it's my emotions that are causing me, my body to have the pain. I believe it. But I need my subconscious to believe it. So for the past, I don't know, how many days now? And I plan to do that for six weeks, 42 days of listening to that book every night. Mm -hmm. I need my subconscious to also believe it. Mm -hmm. And the last couple of days in the past, I've slept, I've been sleeping on the same bed, but in the last couple of days, I wake up with no back pain. But in the past, every single morning, sure enough, is I can't stand, I can't stand straight, but I want my subconscious to hear and also believe and let go of that child that was hurt and disappointed mm -hmm. and betrayed. And you know, all of those things that I know. My body. Body has your body remembers. Yes. Yeah. Because it wasn't my ex-husband was not the worst living in America in fear. I mean, one of my books I wrote because somebody called the police on my kids while they were exercising in my neighborhood. That mm -hmm. just made me so angry. I mean, I know all of those things, the rage that I'm not allowed to express. And then this past Monday, I went to the Capitol and the, more rage. So I know. So I'm 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 healing my body that way. Mm -hmm. And I know as parents of queer kids, we also carry a lot, mm -hmm. a lot of the shame and the guilt that maybe I did something, maybe I didn't do something right. Maybe, you know, mm -hmm. and then um, of course, fear of what's, what if my child doesn't come home? Yeah. Those are real threats. It's very hard to live with that fear. And I am so sorry that you have to all the time. <laughs> and I know that <laughs> lots of parents have to live with that, but. I am so sorry that you have to deal that way. I wish the world was a kinder place. I wish. Dr. Lulu. I wish. All right. Last question. We're horses. Hmm. Last question. Sure. So you, so you left your marriage at 42, went on a curiosity, found yourself. How do you describe your life today? How do I describe my life today? Um, it's good enough. It's good enough because now I know that I'm enough. There was a time... When I was moving, when I joined the Air Force and was moving to Texas from North Carolina, the Air Force sent this big 18-wheeler to move my stuff. They said that they've never met anyone that had so much stuff. They needed two of those. Mm -hmm. Now, it wasn't, I'm not a hoarder. In other words, like, there's room in the house. I mean, it's not like... Oh, that you have to walk through here. It's not that. But there was a time when I thought buying all these things will make me happy. happy. And so with my ex-husband, I would go shopping for hours because I didn't want to come home. Just the home, my, I didn't want to come to the house. Let me put it that way because the house was not my home. I would, I would stay out as much as I would. I, I spent thousands of dollars buying. Sometimes I come and say, oh, I already have these shoes. Oh. <laughs> wow. You know, things like that. So now I realize that I don't need all of that to make me happy because I'm happy from inside. And another time I had an eureka moment was when I left medicine officially. And I was like, have you lost your mind? Like, what do you mean you're walking away from medicine? You're a doctor. You went to medical school all those years. And I had to tell him, I said, you know what? What I'm doing now is bigger than medicine more important. I may not be making as much money. My, my, I took, I went from $350,000 a year as a physician to less than 75. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, you know what? I cannot be happier. It's still mm -hmm. very stressful. Mm -hmm. I took a mental health day yesterday, mm -hmm. but I woke up this morning feeling, okay, let's get back into the game. Yeah. Let's get back into the game. So well, Dr. Luke, thank you so much for coming on this show. It was wonderful to talk to you. When we when we stop the actual uh, recording right now, I want to talk to you about a couple other things because we have more things in common. So. Yes, thank God. Yeah, and that's what we're looking for. That we're looking for, we're looking for. We we need each other. We're mm -hmm. looking for things that connect us. Because once you peel my skin, mm -hmm. we're the same inside. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I'm happy to do that. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome.
I'm glad I didn't cancel it. You've been listening to Coming Out and Beyond, LGBTQIA plus stories with Anne-Marie Zanzel. New episodes of the Coming Out and Beyond podcast drop every other Friday. You can tune in at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and at annemariezanzel.com. Be sure to hit subscribe when tuning in so you never miss an episode. And for more resources, articles, videos, and a free downloadable guide for coming out later in life, visit annemariezanzel.com.